Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. You know what it is, episode 90, for the love of the game, let's cook! When I walk in the club, G unit to the socks, chickens all on the door. Come on, hitting on the rocks and a bottle of book. I don't need security, this gorilla no. I came to ball with y'all, pop the bar and all. So ladies call your girls and homies call your dogs. I'm here to love your wife, keep her at home tonight. She might never come home again. Play all right. make risk, all lights, my life like all right. It is ATH back behind. The mic back in the lab, episode 90. That is right, 9-0 for the Love of the Big Game podcast. Crazy that I'm approaching triple digits at this point. Absolute craziness. Anyway, there's a lot to discuss as the NBA Finals tip off tonight in uh, just about an hour from now. Uh, Game one, Lakers and Heat. We'll be talking a lot about that in a few moments. Uh, We have MLB playoffs, NBA Finals, NBA coaching changes, the NFL, the French Open, a lot is happening in the world of sports right now. A lot to talk about, a lot to update you guys this last episode. So let's jump right into it. First and foremost, congratulations to the Tampa Bay Lightning, your 2020 Stanley Cup champions after defeating the Dallas Stars four games to two. A supremely talented team that has underachieved for years, even losing in the first round last year as Kind of, I I believe they were the betting favorite last year. Well, they got over the hump this year. Big congrats to former Rangers great Ryan McDonough for winning his first Stanley Cup. Too bad it wasn't in New York. And in other hockey news, and this is very painful for us Rangers fans, after 15 years, Henrik Lundqvist's run with the New York Rangers is over. It's a little bittersweet. Don't be sad that it's over. Be happy that it happened. One of the greats to ever do it. One of the greats to ever be between the pipes. The organization in his prime, there were some years where they just did not do right by him with the roster they put around him. That cup run against the Kings was absolutely legendary. So uh, bon voyage to to Henrik Lundqvist, uh, one of the all-time, all-time greats. Sad to see him go and not be in a Rangers uniform anymore. The French Open kicked off this week. Rafa Nadal is back after missing the U.S. Open this year. Novak Djokovic. Hasn't hit a linesman with a ball and been disqualified yet. Uh, he won his first match pretty easily. Still no Roger Federer this year, but it's a deep men's field, so it should be exciting uh, to watch. Uh, looking forward to some good tennis. Uh, I visited Roland Garros, and it's just an awesome place to visit. As for the women, no glaring omissions, uh, to my knowledge, in their draw, so let's see how the tournament plays out. So my New York Yankees. Good Lord, what a roller coaster they have been. Uh, they were awesome, and then they suck. They're awesome, and then they suck. We have a 10-game winning streak, followed by largely crappy play to, to um, end the year, basically limping into the playoffs. They struggled so bad that their over-under season wins was 33 and a half, and they missed it by the hook after losing two of three to the Marlins for the final series of the regular season. Just couldn't get a read on them all year. Yeah, I know they had injuries, whatever, but an exceedingly frustrating regular season for the Yankees. And then, after limping into the playoffs, they go into game one against Shane Bieber, the best pitcher in baseball this year, with a 1.63 ERA. And the offense came to play last night, absolutely torching Shane Bieber, scoring seven runs against him. Uh, He went... Four and two-thirds, seven runs, uh, and the Yankees take game one of the best of three. 
Um, series 12 to three, Garrett Cole, uh, the $324 million man was absolutely awesome. Uh, he also had a little bit of an up and down season, but he was worth it. every penny they paid him last night. That's why you get a guy like that. Just, just unbelievable win. Uh, game two is about to start uh, as we're recording, starting a little late because of a rain delay. Uh, this Yankees team was a damn roller coaster, but as always, let's go Yankees. As far as the playoff format goes, I know this is a crazy season. COVID-19 threw everybody for a loop, but if they keep this format, well, let's just say I'm very much against this playoff format in a normal year. If you play 162 games, eight teams don't deserve the playoffs. Uh, I get it. This year's different, but generally I'm a sports traditionalist. I'd rather not see eight teams in the playoffs if you're going to play 162 regular season games. The regular season has to mean something, and letting all these teams in the playoffs meet basically renders the regular season a lot more meaningless than it is. Uh, don't really like that very much. On to the NFL. Well, the Jets and the Giants are both horrific, both beyond horrific. Both will be in the running for the number one pick, and I really think the Jets will finish 1-15 and and get that number one pick and take Trevor Lawrence because, man, Sam Darnold stinks. Another two pick sixes on Sunday. Uh, I mean, he's terrible. The whole team's terrible. Uh, the Giants, I don't really want to watch another minute of Giants football again this year because uh, they're probably going to go 3-13, and 4-12 and 12 at the best. Uh, the Giants are brutal, but I guess at least they're not the Jets, and I've witnessed two Super Bowl wins in my lifetime. Uh, two more quick NFL thoughts because I can't talk about New York football anymore. There's really nothing to talk about. So Russell Wilson is ridiculous and should win MVP this year. I mean, this whole thing, let Russ cook. They're letting Russ do Russ things. They're letting him throw the ball on uh, early downs, and he's just torching opponents. I've been on the Russ bandwagon forever. I mean, I think the last four or five years I've said this to anybody who would listen, uh, that he was one of the two or three best QBs in football, and uh, I think he's finally going to get the recognition this year, and he's going to win the MVP. And two, I don't want to hear Lamar Jackson's name mentioned anywhere near the likes of Russell Wilson or Patrick Mahomes, all right? He's never going to be those guys, ever. It's just he's not that caliber. There are levels to this, and he's Mahomes and Wilson are at the top. Lamar, not at the top, all right? I don't even think he's better than Deshaun Watson, to be totally honest. Uh, he's good, but he's not top four or five in the league good. So let's cool it with all the Lamar Jackson love, and that was totally egregious last year because when Bush comes to shove, Patrick Mahomes will always shove it down Lamar Jackson's throat. I know football's a team game, but in a quarterback battle, Lamar Jackson will never be Patrick Mahomes, and you just saw that again on Monday Night Football this past week. On to the NBA, as I mentioned, the NBA Finals tip off tonight before getting into uh, the preview of the final series. Uh, there's been a lot of coaching shakeups. As I mentioned last episode, Mike D'Antoni is out in Houston. Now Doc Rivers is out with the Clippers. Both guys will get hired again. Uh, there's kind of a little bit of musical chairs going on in the NBA. Uh, but yeah, it was definitely time for the Clippers to make a change. I said it last episode. Doc Rivers has blown two 3-1 series leads with the Clippers. He's the only coach to do, to blow a 3-1 series lead three times. And he never made the conference finals. With all the talented players he's had, Chris Paul in his prime, 
Blake Griffin in his prime, Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, never, ever made the conference finals. And the way this season ended, a change was definitely needed. Doc has been a really steady voice for the Clippers for many years. I mean, especially when he was navigating through the Donald Sterling situation and fiasco, the sale to Steve Ballmer. But the basketball side of coaching just wasn't up to par. And he didn't win in the playoffs nearly enough to justify staying on another year or AK. He didn't really do his job. Coaching seems to have a shelf life where a coach's voice kind of goes stale on a team where they kind of just tune them out. And after seven years and not getting it done and not being, you know, super flexible in terms of making playoff adjustments, I think that time has come for Doc Rivers and it was time to make the move. And I only harp on this for a reason. And there was this issue that was arising. Well, it's not really an issue as I'm going to explain in a second. And it started with the hiring of Steve Nash by the Brooklyn Nets, where Stephen A. Smith goes on first take and says Steve Nash is qualified, but basically the hiring reeked of white privilege. He didn't bother taking into account the Nash's credentials as a player. He's one of the great point guards of all time, and point guards tend to get coaching jobs pretty easily when they're retired. See the likes of Ty Lue, Jacques Vaughn, Jason Kidd, by the way, all of whom were black, or I should say are black. It doesn't matter. It didn't really matter that he worked with Kevin Durant as a member of the Warriors staff and that KD basically picked Steve Nash just as much as Sean Marks did. He also neglected the fact that these guys all became head coaches without being assistants first. Paul Silas, Jason Kidd, as I mentioned before, Doc Rivers, Derek Fisher, Mark Jackson. Now, what do all these coaches have in common? Oh, that's right. They're black men. But yes, Steve Nash got the job because of white privilege, sure. And now with Doc Rivers' firing from the Clippers, or I should say exiting the Clippers, it has been said that an NBA team can't hire Mike D'Antoni before hiring Doc Rivers because that would be a proof of white privilege. It was also mentioned on a podcast, I believe the Bill Simmons podcast, that the NBA as a whole can't lose Doc because he's a prominent black voice for the league. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought his job was to win playoff games and be successful in the playoffs with teams that have NBA championship level talent. I didn't realize it was to solve race relations. Now, Doc Rivers is a good guy and he's going to get another job again. I mean, it looks like he may be one of the front runners for the Philadelphia 76ers job. Uh, Would I rather... Hire, you know, would I personally right now want to hire Mike D'Antoni or Doc Rivers? Um, depends on the team, but not really. I, I like to go for somebody new and not do the uh, the guys who've been around the block, but whatever, that's just me. But I'm so sick and tired of this crap that everything in sports is a race issue. And shame on ESPN and Stephen A. Smith for trying to make it one and feeding this bullshit to the public. It's nonsense, especially when there are so many other real race issues in this country that really need to be addressed. Enough with this crap already. I don't know if this was Stephen A. Smith's own thoughts or this was ESPN feeding him lines because it's been somewhat well known that ESPN feeds these guys lions uh, for ratings. But it's insanity. It's insanity and it needs to stop. It absolutely needs to stop. Because it's dangerous. It's dangerous rhetoric.
considering that sports is a microcosm of the country at large. Whatever. I'm not really going to go down this road right now. But, yeah, just had to get that one off my chest. One last thing before bringing on tonight's guest, and we will be talking about him a bunch in just a little bit, but I need to say some nice things about LeBron James. I know, I know, I'm not a LeBron guy for many reasons. That's kind of my brand. I have my reasons. They're all exceedingly valid, uh, but credit where credit is due. LeBron James as a basketball player is just a pro. He's a freaking pro. So many other players had issues with the bubble situation in Orlando. LeBron blocked all that noise out and was focused on basketball, and he was arguably the best player in the bubble. He also always keeps himself in stellar physical shape. You will never find LeBron James out of shape. Now, 10 finals for LeBron now. 10. I mean, it's remarkable. Will he ever be greater than Michael Jordan? No. There's a ton of revisionist history when it comes to LeBron James's career and uh, and resume, but you can't deny that he's on the Mount Rushmore of NBA players. And the fact that he's in year 17 and he's still doing it like this and it still looks the way it does, it's just ridiculous. I didn't think the Lakers would get to the finals this year, but the fact that they did is a testament to how great a player he is. Now, am I going to pick the Lakers to win the series? Well, you're going to have to find that out in the next segment in just a minute. But kudos to LeBron James. Uh, really, really an amazing run, an amazing playoff run. Uh, and with that said, it's time to bring on our um, our guest, a special first-time guest in just a moment. Okay, I teased it before. Uh, I'm very excited to bring on a first-time guest, a very special first-time guest, somebody who I sat in the rain with at Super Bowl 41 uh, in Miami, where the Colts defeated the Chicago Bears. Too bad for me that we did not go to Super Bowl 42 together as he's a as he's a Patriots fan and I'm a Giants fan. That would have been nice. Uh, but here he is making his podcast debut, Mr. Michael Wexler. Mike, what's going on? Great to be here, Aaron. All awesome. good. Awesome. Awesome. So uh, I know even though you have uh, relocated to Denver, um, Boston is still very much in your blood. So I wanted to start off, uh, just wrapping up the Celtics season and what were your thoughts on the team this year and what went wrong in the Miami series? What were your thoughts? So the Celtics of this year were a very talented group. I mean, you got tremendous young talent, but I still think that they lack experience. They lack size and they lack that outside shooter. And one of the things that I think was really important for that team was to have excellent coaching and team play. And they were able to do that generally, but somehow that all fell apart in the postseason. And they didn't play, I think, up to their potential. And it was very frustrating from my perspective. They didn't show the heart. They didn't show the hustle that I was hoping that they would. They played a little bit more lackadaisically. They thought they could turn it on. And many times guys like Jason Tatum, you know, turned it on. I mean, he didn't score any points in the first half. Then he'll score 28 in the second half. Uh, great talent, but they didn't seem to have the drive that the Miami Heat had. They didn't seem to have the team play that the Miami Heat had. And, you know, I, I think they're still a couple of missing pieces away from taking it to the next level, to getting to the NBA Finals and winning the NBA Finals. I think this was a lost opportunity. 
I would say overall, getting to the conference semifinal, getting the conference finals and playing against the number five seed, the Miami Heat, and not winning, that's got to be a huge disappointment. So I wanted to start off, you mentioned one thing in terms of one more piece, right? So over the last five years, Danny Ainge uh, had done an incredible job of acquiring assets uh, from the trade from the trade of Paul Pierce and Kevin Garnett to the Brooklyn Nets, where he basically fleeced the Nets, right? And he had this whole yeah. treasure chest of assets. And, you know, there was one great trade after another, moving down from one to three to be able to take Jason Tatum, getting an extra pick. And yet all these chips, right? And obviously you're able to sign Gordon Hayward, who everybody was going to sign Gordon Hayward after that year he had with Utah, all NBA caliber talent, all-star, then has the catastrophic injury. They pushed their chips in the middle of the table, sort of for Kyrie Irving, and that, you know, kind of went belly up. They were able to sign Kemba Walker. So, but would you say that after all that treasure chest of assets, with what they have now, would you say that Danny Ainge did a great job or would you say that he kind of like missed the opportunity to, to really even do better in terms of what, what happens with this roster? Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I think that he is in the middle of his job with this roster and I hope that it doesn't fall apart too quickly. I still think that they, they still need, I think the missing pieces, I think they need a big man in the middle. You can't play, even if they'd made it into the finals against the Lakers, there's no way they would have been able to compete with the Lakers with the team that they had. You know, Tice and uh, Semi Ojale and, uh, uh, you know, all the guys they had, they're still missing that big man in the middle. And yeah, I, th I, I do think you need that to compete uh, at an elite level. Outside shooting, you know, one of the problems they had, I would say, and, and, I, and, and I think they missed the opportunity at, you know, earlier on in the season. Yes, they're hampered by injuries. Gordon Haywood, uh, you know, was, was, we missed him during the playoffs. He was a little bit rusty when he finally came back. You could tell he was still hobbling a little bit. But, you know, could they have picked up another big man? They had an opportunity earlier on last year uh, to uh, pick up, um, uh, what's the name of the guy in the Lakers journeyman center, uh, you know, JaVale uh, McGee. No. Um, oh my God. I, I met him too. I met I met him. I met him in Vegas playing poker again, playing poker with them. Um, uh, come to me in a second, but Dwight you know, Howard, Dwight Howard, you know, like, why you wanted, hold on one second. Hold on one second. You wanted Dwight Howard. Dwight Howard has Some, been like, look, uh, look, look, look what he's done in, look what he's done in LA. He's played a role. He knows what his role is. The guy is a bit of a head case, but you know what? You tell him to go clog up the middle. You tell him to go bang up a couple of guys. He'll do it. He's done it for the Lakers this year. He's known his role. And I think I, I would have taken it. I would have taken him uh, early on in the year. You need some kind of veteran presence. And they were lacking that this year. You could tell that they were lacking the veteran presence. They had a bunch of young guys. Who is their veteran? Smart? Well, no, you know, Ken, Kemba Walker. Kemba Walker's been around, but he hasn't had the play the playoff chops, I guess, that, yeah. um, that a veteran would have. Kemba Walker, I'd say disappointing, disappointing uh, uh, run. Yeah, he, he was hot and cold, didn't meet his potential in the playoffs. Even, um, even Tatum, you know, yeah, he stepped it up. But, you know, where was he in the first half of the, all those games? You know, what took him so long to heat up? You need to have some consistency. You need to have some heart. And also, I think like the shot selection they took, oftentimes mind-boggling. 
why are they taking particularly smart? I mean, the guy, yes, he get, he eats up and he doesn't miss, but more often than not, he misses. Yeah, so I've always had, and Ryan Rosillo, who's spoken about Marcus Smart all the time, and I couldn't agree more with him, and I watch a lot of Celtics games, that like Marcus Smart is the kind of guy that if he hits his first three shots, it's almost bad for the team because then he's going to keep shooting, you know? I, I, I describe Marcus Smart is like, I, I hate him because he plays the way I play. You know, I will chuck up the ball and, uh, you know, and I'll be lucky. I'll hit a couple of shots and then I will think that I will hit every other shot. Yes, I hustle, but, you know, I have no business taking those three pointers. He, I mean, Smart took 22 shots in game six. I mean, that's just outrageous. Like, yeah, but Rosillo calls him, uh, I got this guy. Who's like, yeah. when things are going poorly, it's like, I got this. Don't worry about it. It's like Marcus Smart shouldn't be the, I got this guy. Like exactly. ever, ever. Yeah, and I, I'm that guy on the court and <laughs> I shouldn't be that guy. I know it. I'm sure. Does he not know it that he's not the guy? I I, I, I don't think he does, but I, I, I think it's because that he has – you know, he's the tough guy, right? Like he's the fiery guy for a team that kind of lacked that. And you, you kind of need a little bit more fire from your best players. And maybe Jason Tatum will grow into this because he's, you know, still a young guy. But like, you know, Smart brought that like energy, brings that nasty, right? And yeah. you're not afraid to get in guys' faces. So he kind of feels emboldened to take these crazy shots when no one else is do, doing anything. And it, and it kind of just backfires. It's funny you said something about the shot selection. And you would see at times that, you know, when, when Miami was going into their zone, you know, the Celtics couldn't get great shots. Now, there was one game where they were hitting a, a bunch of pull-up jump shots, but then they just wouldn't fall in the second half. But, like, it kind of goes to coaching. And Brad Stevens has been, like, the talk of the town since he's gotten to Boston. He's been the talk of the town. So, like – but he's been outcoached by Eric Spolstra, and he kind of got outcoached by Nick Nurse a lot last um, last uh, series, even though that the Celtics on paper I thought were the more talented team, even though they weren't the the higher seed. So have you soured a little bit on Brad Stevens? Not not yet. I think you know. Uh, I think every every team that the, that he coaches, it's a bit of a learning experience, and you have to develop some team chemistry. You have to know your players. Um, you know, could, and I think he'll learn from this. He's still a young coach. He's, and I think he's a very talented coach. And but he was out coached the last couple of series. There's no doubt about it. Uh, he needs to get some fire. He needs to get the Marcus Smart fire. Yeah, I, I mean Marcus Smart does have the fire. He does die for the ball, uh, and uh, he hustles, out hustles most players. He needs to get that out of the rest of the team, and he and, and he needs to use Marcus Smart as a, as an example of how to play on a, on the hustle perspective, not on an offensive perspective. It's uh, it was weird. It was weird watching the games because there were some. I think it was game two uh, in the Miami series in the second half, last five minutes, where Jimmy Butler really wasn't doing much of anything offensively in terms of scoring the basketball. But then there was a deflection here. You know, it gets a steal, saves it at mid court, like behind his back, then runs it down. It was just like it was the hustle plays that it kind of looked like the Celtics were going through the motions. And it's shocking to me that a team, you know, they've been, even with the young guys, like Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum have played in conference finals before. It's not their first go around in the playoffs, right? Yeah. Like it, it's, it's weird that a team would be 
almost like so nonchalant about it. Like it, it was strange. They, to they, watch. they played. They played without heart. You know, I think back to the Celtics of the '80s, and you know, McHale and the uh, uh, and Walton, and how those guys they they hustled everything. This meant everything to them. You know, it was as if their life depended on it. Every single game, Bird, of course. I mean, everything was was hustle. Everything was smart play. Everything was team. Everything was about winning. And here, there's some missing piece. And I don't know. I, I don't feel the chemistry. I have to say between Tatum and Brown. Um, and 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 you know, those two grow up. I don't know if there's some personal um, competitiveness between the two of them, but. The, uh, you know, they could be a true dynamic duo. Uh, and you throw Kemba Walker on there, you throw uh, Hayward on top of that. And but some there's something amiss. They, they are not playing as a team. They don't have that camaraderie. Like, I feel like they would benefit from, you know, going on a preseason trip to China as a team or something where they can really bond. Uh, and they need to do something like that to, to try to bring them together. And then they need to instill some kind of hustle into these guys so that they will uh, really play the way the Heat played. The Heat were incredible. They were hungry. The Heat, uh, you know, they played like an underdog and they won. It's funny you say that about Jalen and uh, and Tatum. I mean, they're basically a year apart. They both bit, were drafted number three overall. I mean, Jason Tatum had – that crazy ascension this year in terms of being all-star, all-NBA caliber. And I think Jalen, sometimes you can see it during the games also where he'll, you know, sometimes just force some shots, you know, do some things one-on-one because he feels like he needs to keep up with what Tatum is doing. Um, I, I don't think they have necessarily like, I don't think there's any animosity. I think it's just like natural competitiveness. It's like, well, this guy is this good, but I'm just as good as him. I want to prove it. But it'll be interesting to see how that dynamic plays out. But it's funny that you that you no, noticed it because I kind of noticed it with Jalen Brown too sometimes where yeah. he just – as talented as he is, and he's awesome, and sometimes he's you know not – or I should say, as I've seen, he, he wasn't aggressive enough. But it was kind of like where are you picking your spots to be super aggressive? And it was like a frustrating thing I found with watching the Celtics a little bit, specifically with Jalen. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I, I found, I mean, he stepped up. I think he's a great talent and I think that he is going to be great. And I think they really could be a true dynamic duo. They are missing that other big, big band piece. They are missing the hustle. So we'll see. We'll see what happens with Jalen. You know, I think Danny's going to have to make a move uh, in this offseason. And whether it's, I mean, I'd like it to see it be dealing smart. I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think there are going to be a lot of buyers for smart. Um, but maybe there will be some team, you know, smart, I think, has another year in his contract. I, I really hope he doesn't split up uh, uh, Jalen and and uh, and Tatum, uh, because I, I do think that they have the potential to be really special. And they've got Kemba. I think the odd man out might be Hayward. Uh, and I could see him going. He, you know, he signed for a big contract, uh, but he's been injury prone. Uh, and uh, I don't know. We'll see. D- Danny really has to make a move. Whether or not he can make a move for a big man, I don't know. Uh, but that's where I, I, I think I think losing Horford a couple of years ago, ironically, I think was 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 a big problem. I think he held the team together. 
Um, and it's unfortunate they couldn't bring him back uh, last year uh, or two years ago. Yeah, but as you could, as you saw with the Sixers, like Horford yeah. wanted a big number, and he wasn't worth that big number. Paying tight, paying Tice at what he's getting, and you know, looking at Robert Williams, a young guy who they drafted, and even Cantor in spot minutes was better than paying Horford what he was going to command or what he wanted. Yeah. And then you know. Hayward's got the player option for over $30 million. So I think he's going to pick that up. It's, they're in an interesting spot uh, with, you know, the Tatum and Brown extend. I think Brown got an extension and Tatum's going to get a big extension soon. So it's going to be interesting to see what moves they can make. But on a scale of one to 10, in terms of this team being in the mix for the next five years, how optimistic are you? Yeah, I, I think you, I think you have to be optimistic. They've got talent. They've got a good coach, uh, and uh, I, I do think Danny is a good GM. So scale of one to ten, I mean, I, I'm a nine to ten kind of guy uh, for, for this team. They, they're just a move or two away, and I think they've accumulated a lot of experience. And I think uh, even though they lost this series, I think it will help them in the long run, make them a little bit hungrier. And they saw what it took for Miami to win, and I think that they will uh, hopefully learn from that and not play quite so nonchalantly, be more aggressive, hustle after the ball, play a little bit more like, like smart, but we'll see how they do it. If, if they can, if they can live up to that. Smart minus the bad shot selection. Exactly. Right, so, exactly. So, yeah. So uh, moving on, I wanted to, you know, obviously the finals are upon us. Uh, it is Lakers heat. Um, I, I personally think it's going to be a great series um, for you. What's the, um, what's the biggest matchup? Uh, the most important matchup that you think is going to dictate uh, the outcome of this series. Yeah. So, uh, you know, it's going to be very interesting to see what the, how they, how they line up and how, how they uh, end up uh, guarding LeBron and Davis. I mean, those are clearly the best two players in the series, LeBron and, uh, and, uh, and Anthony Davis. And then, you know, We'll see. They, uh, the, the Heat have some talent. They demonstrated Bam Adebayo had like a crazy, crazy series. I mean, he came out of nowhere in my mind. I, I you know, I hadn't seen him uh, play to this extent. He was incredible. Um, you know, what he was the best they, player in the series. I think by far. Jimmy Butler played great. You know, what's going to happen? Jay Crowder is going to play uh, against Davis. Uh, I mean, I don't see how he can how he can uh, face up to him. Um, so you know, I think Davis and LeBron. No one can guard LeBron. And you saw what happened in the last series. LeBron just basically scored at will. You know, he would take it. It was basically a clear path every single time they took it to the hole. And um, I, I don't know if it's going to be such a great series. Uh, I, I don't see how. I mean, the only thing is the Lakers are not as disciplined as the Heat. The Heat are very disciplined. They play team ball. Uh, I'd be surprised if it goes beyond five games. Uh, I, do, I think the Lakers have the better team. They've got the best two players. But, you know, the Heat have shown us time and again that they can come together as a team. If they go on this crazy uh, heater where they're shooting the lights out and, uh, you know, Dragic and uh, Butler and uh, – uh, heroes. I mean, all these guys, I mean, they, I feel like they all came out of nowhere. Uh, I, I have to say I mean, the coaching of the heat was incredible. 
I mean, total out coaching uh, of, uh, uh, um, and, and I think I think he's showing his true colors here. You know, he when he came up as the initial as coach of the Heat several years ago, he had LeBron and he had uh, 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 you know the big trio, uh, um, and um, uh, you know people people didn't give him the respect that he deserved. But I think he's coached the hell out of this team, and maybe they can maybe they can win a couple of games. Uh, I'd be surprised. I think LeBron has too much at stake. His reputation is really too too much is on the line. If he loses this series, I mean, people are going to you know talk about him in the same way they talked about the Buffalo Bills losing four straight Super Bowls. Interesting. We're going to hold that thought for one second because I'm going to press you on that in one second. But for me, the key for me the the key matchup is is players. Three through seven on the on the rotation, right? As you as you astutely pointed out, the Lakers definitely have the top two guys. But from three through seven, I think Miami has all those all those guys. You know, if you line them up, you take the next you know three, four, five, six, seven, eight, even next guys would go to Miami. And yeah. I just and, and I think. Something that, that a lot of people are missing because the Lakers are the public team and it's LeBron and it's Davis is that the the Heat. If you looked at like what they did to to Giannis, right, and how they guard, how they were the most successful team guarding Giannis. Giannis has this historically great season, and the Heat basically wall off Giannis, whether it's playing the zone or playing man to man. You know. Um, you, you saw what the zone did to the Celtics and the Celtics shooters are a lot better, you know, than, than the Lakers and, shooters outside yeah. LeBron and Davis. I mean, I, I just, and you have bodies to throw it at LeBron and you're not going to, and LeBron's going to get his because great players always get theirs, but you know, between Crowder, who's going to, uh, you know, get minutes on LeBron, Iguodala, who's always guarded LeBron. Well, you have, Butler, who's going to guard LeBron, you know, Adebayo is going to guard, is going to guard Davis and he's going to have to stay out of foul trouble. Uh, that's going to be interesting to see how the referees and how they, they ref the games dictate the, how the series is going to be played. Uh, because if Adebayo is in foul trouble, I mean, you know, the Heat have no chance. Uh, yeah. you're, you know, in terms of the other guys, like even guys like Hero and Robinson, who aren't great defenders by any stretch like Robinson's still six eight like he's still long he can do stuff he can get in the way hero at least fights on defense they play the zone super well where you basically can hide those guys on defense a little bit and it to me it, it's basically if you know guys like Rajan Rondo Kyle Kuzma KCP and Danny Green are hitting threes the Lakers can eat you know are going to win this you know somewhat easily yeah. But I have no faith in those guys to do that. And I don't think, and I've been, I've been lukewarm about the Lakers all year. I've been, uh, I've been picking the Lakers again. And part of this is me hating the Lakers, but I, um, I, I basically, I haven't picked the Lakers to win any series uh, so far going into, you know, this playoffs. And I, I look really foolish right now. Don't get me wrong, but I just, there's something about this Miami Heat team that they're just they have this dog in them. They're just they're just play really hard. They're deep. 
They're disciplined. And I just think it, this kind of has shades of 2004 of uh, Lakers Pistons where the Pistons, you know, didn't have the high end level talent that the Lakers had between Shaq and Kobe, but it was just, it was a full team effort. And I actually think the heat are going to win in six. Really? Uh, yeah. yeah, I, I, I don't see it. I think, I think that LeBron, I mean, this is going to be really, I mean, the, the mo- this is the most important uh, uh, playoff season for LeBron. If he can't win uh, as a strong favorite oh, with, with Anthony Davis, with the big man, and with the other talent that he has around him, younger, quite, maybe not quite as good as everybody else on the Heat that you mentioned, uh, I don't see how his legacy survives. And I think he recognizes that. And I think he's going to do everything he can. He's going to just steamroll through that, uh, through the zone. And he's going to continue to score as he did almost at will the last couple of series. So it's funny, we'll you say the le- it's funny you say the legacy thing. because So just expound on that a little bit. Like, where do you think his, if he loses in the finals, and to make 10 finals in 17 years, I don't care what level of competition you have. And I, and I'm by no means a LeBron James fanboy. I'm actually, you know, I, I can't stand the guy. And I always argue and point out the, the holes in his resume and his, uh, and his, uh, and his career arc, because, you know, Laker fanboys on Twitter or LeBron fanboys, they just, they just neglect a lot of things that have happened. But I mean, you think like in terms of legacy being impacted, like you really think, how would his legacy drop in this sense? Because well, he's yeah. really chasing like three or four guys. Michael Jordan. Of, right. Okay, yeah. fine. He's chasing, but, chasing Michael Jordan, but, but he is chasing Michael Jordan. He's chasing Kobe. He is. And, uh, uh, you know, I, I think that he is still until he gets the championships. I mean, why is Brady considered so great in, in football? We'll get to that a little bit later, but why is Brady so great? Brady is great because he wins. He wins the championships. He wins the big games. LeBron, he has only done that with extremely high talent levels around him. And, uh, you know, I think that he recognizes his legacy is at stake. Yes, he'll be considered still one of the top two to three players of all time, no matter what happens, when all is said and done. But he wants to go out as number one. He still sees... Uh, you know that, that that Michael Jordan is in reach. I don't think that people recognize Bill Russell's greatness and all the championships they won. Uh, the Celtics won in the '60s, but he is still going after Michael Jordan, and he wants to prove that he is the greatest of all time. I just, I just don't think he's he's ever going to get there, and because of the, and not because he's lost in the finals, but like the 2011 finals was just such a stain on the resume the 2000 the way things ended with the Cavs the first time 2010 but I just I don't know I I think LeBron's legacy is pretty safe in a sense where he's just going to be in this you know you know Mount Mount Rushmore Rushmore of NBA NBA players I just don't think he's ever going to get to one so in a sense I actually think his legacy is safe I I just I just don't think you know I'm a big proponent in in team over over just individual guys and and when you have you know when you're seven eight deep with the types of 
players that the Heat have. I just, I don't know. I see the Heat winning. It's great. It'll be, but it'll be a lot of fun. A lot, a lot of fun to watch. So I think, I think it'll be fun, but I, I'm taking the Lakers in five. Taking the Lakers in five. All right. That's good because we put it on wax. And once you put it and we record it, there's no backtracking here. I like this. Uh, last thing before, you know, we want to let you go. Obviously you are a, uh, a Patriots fan, big football fan. After uh, 20 so or so years, Tom Brady is no longer in your life uh, uh, every Sunday. He's now in Tampa Bay. So how did you handle the news initially? How are you handling seeing him in a, a Bucks uniform? Uh, just take me through the emotions a little bit. Yeah. So, you know, I, I had this hope that, there, that he was going to stay with the Patriots and, uh, and that he was going to, you know, win one more Super Bowl and uh, – and have this incredible legacy, uh, and he was going to be all-time, all-time patriot, and all-time. Obviously, he's the greatest of all time. There's no doubt in my mind about that. Um, and then I have to say, the guy is incredible, but he is 43, and the way he played last year, particularly the second half of the season, he was throwing a lot of ducks out there. Uh, the way he played in the playoffs. Uh, against the Titans, very disappointing. Belichick is out there to win. He doesn't care about anything other than winning. He wants the best, best, best uh, option for the team, and he's happy to get rid of a guy a year early rather than a year late. Maybe Brady has another year or two left in him, and he's showing that he can still play the game well this at, at this point in his career. Um, I, I'm grateful for the 20 years that he had that we had with him. I uh, think he was incredible. I love him. I have his jersey. He's great. But on the other hand, I think there's can be a time that is right to move on. He wasn't into it with, with Belichick anymore. And, uh, you know, the, the, the team tried to surround him with talent, but none, nothing worked out. Antonio Brown didn't work out. Gronk wasn't there. Uh, I, I, think, I think it was okay for him to go. Uh, I was happy uh, for the Patriots to get Cam Newton. I'm excited about having Cam Newton uh, as a Patriots fan. I think it brings a different style play. And I think Cam is going to lead the team again this year, hopefully to the AFC Championship game, if not if not further than that. So you don't um, think the Patriots are in any great danger of not winning the division for the first time in whoever knows how long? Since I think I, 2008 I, – I, 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 I'd, I'd be surprised. And, and that year, by the way, uh, they uh, went 11 and five in division. They were 11 and five. And it was the year that uh, that Matt Castle was the quarterback and the Brady went down with the injury and they, they still tied for the division lead. But because of a tiebreaker, they ended up not making the playoffs. Uh, yeah, I think uh, I think Belichick is, is is the greatest coach of all time for a reason. And I think he and I think that Cam Newton is super motivated. Uh, he's worried about his legacy. He took a, you know, uh, a 10 cents on the dollar contract to prove himself. And I think he's going to prove himself. I think so far he has proven himself. I think he stays healthy. I think the uh, Patriots have a good chance of going, uh, of, of going all the way to the AFC Championship. This Sunday, they play the Chiefs. That's going to be the biggest uh, tell. And we'll see what happens. Uh, you know, they're playing in Kansas City. We'll see what, what, what happens there. As for Brady, I wish him – I'm so grateful for everything he did for the Patriots. I wish him nothing but success. I wish him nothing but happiness. 
I hope he makes it to the Super Bowl against the Patriots, and I hope he loses in the Super Bowl against <laughs> the Patriots. So, uh, okay, so you're very bullish on the Patriots, even though they had all the um, their starters on defense opt out yeah. due to the COVID. Yeah, you know, I think that uh, he, Belichick's got his players believing in his system, and I think that his system uh, is uh, still a strong one. You've seen it in the first uh, few games. They actually had an opportunity to win and be, beat Seattle uh, on the, you know, on the one-yard line. Didn't happen. It happens. Uh, I think they're going to learn from that as well. So I'm bullish on the Patriots. I think they've got a young, strong team. Uh, they're a little bit lacking uh, at wide receiver. Uh, but we'll see. We'll see what happens uh, over the coming uh, over the rest of the coming season. I'm really excited, and I'm bullish on the Patriots. Are you excited for obviously, as you mentioned before, Cam took a not even ten cents on the dollar because of his injuries, um, kind of an approved year. Are you prepared to pay Cam Newton uh, big money uh, given the uh, the injury history and given his sort of like up and down career, kind of? Yeah, I, you know, I, I think we need to uh, see how the rest of the season goes. But if he plays the way he's been playing, if he has develops a relationship with Belichick that he seems to have uh, developed, the relationship with Josh McDaniels that he seems to have developed, uh, I, I'd pay him. I'd pay him the contract. But you know, I think Belichick's always savvy in terms of not overpaying uh, any of the players. And so, you know, I think you'd give him a fair contract, something in the twenty to twenty-five million dollar range. And uh, I think that would be appropriate. And uh, I'd love to have Cam as my uh, quarterback the next uh, three or four years. Well, there you have it. Uh, Mike, this was, this was absolutely great to, uh, to catch up. We hadn't chatted in a while. It's good to speak to you again. Always love your enthusiasm about sports. And uh, hopefully uh, we'll do this uh, again sometime. Maybe we'll, uh, we'll run a triangle with, um, you know, uh, another uh, – guest uh eric winton who's been on the show but we won't tell a guy named scott tobin about it until afterwards so it feels sounds like great sounds all right great. uh thanks so much mike i'll speak to you soon all right take care thanks so Have much for having bye. me bye thanks again to my guest tonight michael wexler uh always good to catch up with him and talk sports with him haven't done it in a while so it felt good to do that again that's episode 90 for the love of the game take us out young fucking 50 For listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B L E A V on YouTube.